0: Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033.
1: Recently I heard a song that I hadn't heard in many years uh, it was by an artist named Frank Sinatra. Some of you were too young to know who that, that was, but back in the day, he was a very popular singer, and one of the signature songs of his career is entitled My Way, and some of the lyrics went like this. And now the end is here, and so I face that final curtain. My friend, I'll make it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. Not to say the things he truly feels and not the word of one who kneels. Let the record show, I took the blows. And I did it my way. The inner desire of every one of us, even those of us who are Christ followers, because it is inherent in our sinful nature, is to want to be in control of our own lives, to rule our own lives, to call our own shots, to pursue what we think we want. And what our sinful nature really wants is to be God in our own lives. But that's quite different than what the Apostle Paul taught of a way to live in which your greatest pursuit of your heart is to do it God's way, to do His will. Uh, One of the verses that I committed to memory long ago, some of you did as well, is Romans 12, one and two. I wanna read verse two. Paul said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. A mistake that Christ followers all too often make is to compartmentalize the lordship of Christ in their life. Uh, They put Jesus on a convenient shelf and keep him confined to a corner of their life. Uh, They don't think about integrating their life with the will of God and what God's plan is. Their idea, really, though they perhaps have never articulated it in these words, is that God is a God that saved me and I'm grateful for my salvation, I'm grateful for my eternal heavenly home that is yet to come, and I'm so glad that when things are going poorly, when I'm in trouble, I can call on God. And that sounds okay, but in reality, that kind of God is only a fire escape God. He's not Lord of one's life. Uh, Over the years, I have talked to different people who were uh, involved in the process of making a significant decision in their life, and I knew they were Christ followers, and so I would ask the question something like, are you certain this is God's will for your life? And they would look at me like I was speaking Swahili. Uh, I mean, it was like, what in the world are you talking about? But James makes it clear that that is vitally important. You remember that the book of James that we've been studying these weeks, this is week 11 in our 16-week journey, James makes it clear as he writes this road map to spiritual maturity that seeking and finding and doing the will of God is central or should be central in the life of a Christ follower. And we see this in chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. So let's begin the text, uh, James 4, verse 13. As always, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. James says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Now, I want to pause uh, our main passage there for a moment and clarify something. James is not saying that planning is bad. He's not saying that we ought to just float through life and see what happens. In fact, Jesus affirmed planning when he was speaking to people who were Considering following him, he encouraged them to understand that you are to think ahead and count the cost before you make that commitment. Here's what Jesus said, Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning with verse 28. Jesus said, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Failing to have a plan. And sometimes failing to have a plan could be a life or death decision such as when an army is about to go into battle. I'm gonna pause this for just a moment. I don't have this in my notes. It's just, this, this strikes a, a, a deep personal chord with me. Uh, I've shared with you in previous sermons that I was born in Tokyo, Japan, because my father was a part of the occupation force in Japan after World War II. And it was a, a peacetime. America was seeking to help our conquered enemy to rebuild their nation but just about six weeks after I was born, the North Korean communists broke across the 38th parallel that separated North Korea from South Korea. And they rushed into South Korea, and the American soldiers who were stationed in nearby Japan were rushed into battle to try to slow down the communist offensive. But the problem was that the army of the United States only had leftover World War II weapons of war, whereas the communist North Koreans had what was then state-of-the-art weaponry from Russia. And those, including my father, were killed by the thousands just to slow down. And and I have to think about this every time I read the rest of this passage. Go back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, and begin with verse 31 with me. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. And so I bring all that into focus to say that James and Jesus are not diminishing the wisdom of planning. But the problem was the people to whom James was speaking had made a plan, and they had made a critical error in the process for those who are Christ followers in that they left God out of their plans. He was not anywhere in their thinking. They had planned the when. Today or tomorrow we will go and stay there a year. They'd even planned their schedule. They had planned the what? We're going to a certain town and do business there. And they had even forecast their result and make a profit. Make a profit. I said in last week's message that I was really sad to see all the Luby's cafeterias shutting down. You remember me saying that? Uh, And every time I go by uh, a a former Luby's or, or any business that's shut down, I think about that someone, when they started that business, didn't start that business with the intention of going bankrupt. Every one of them started that business with the intention of making a profit. And they had made a plan and they had studied the marketing surveys and all of the data, and they had planned to make a profit. And you you wonder, why didn't it go according to plan? With all of the marketing studies and and data that's available to, to businesses that said it would be profitable, why didn't it work out? Because even with the most sophisticated market analysis available, No one can predict the future with absolute certainty. No human being can know for sure what will happen in the future. Even educated guesses can be absolutely wrong. That's what James says. Return to our text in verse 14, James 4. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How do you know? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Have you ever driven in dense fog? Anybody? Yes, grunt at me. I can't see you too well. Okay. If you've ever driven in a dense fog, it's terrifying because you can't see in front of you, maybe only just a very few feet, and it's absolutely terrifying. Well, that's really what our lives are like. Only God can see the future. For us, in our human limitations, our life is short. Our life is uncertain. And so to presume and plan based on our own will and our own wisdom is like driving a car on the freeway with a blindfold on. Because we can't see. Only God can can see the future as clearly as he sees the present and more clearly than we can remember the past. I told the the last service, I can remember the the number of the credit card the first one I ever got in 1967, but I can't remember where I put my glasses half the time. Our memories are are not reliable, we can't know the future, we can hardly remember the things of the past and we have difficulty figuring out the present, but our God knows all three perfectly. He knows exactly what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. And so based on the knowledge that God has, how much wiser is it to seek his will? Verse 15 of James 4. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. I like J.B. Phillips' translation. He renders that verse this way. If it is the Lord's will and we are still alive, we will do so and so. James makes it clear what it means if we fail to seek and do the Father's will as a Christ follower, but decide to do our own will instead, to do it my way. His words are not neutral. In fact, they're very sharp. Verse 16, otherwise, if you do it your way instead of seeking God's way, otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. James in these verses is saying what we're to do if we are born-again Christ followers is to seek God's will, God's will. But how do you know what that is? I mean, does he give you a phone call? Well, no. Does he speak with an audible voice that you can physically hear with your ears? Maybe sometimes. Does he speak in a dream? Not very often. So how do you decide what God's will is? I want to spend the rest of the the bulk of the message trying to to clarify how I think that happens. Here's something that you can put at the very bottom of this, this foundation. God is responsible to reveal his will to you when you need to know it. That's God's responsibility. If you're seeking him, if you want to know his will, it is his responsibility to reveal that will to you when you need to know it. He will do it in his time and in his way. Look at what Paul said in Philippians 2.13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. If your heart is open to know and do God's will, whatever that might be, he will tell you when you need to know it. It's like one of the songs that we sang earlier in our time uh, to worship. Lord, my answer is yes. My answer is yes. Now here's something that I think if, if we dwell upon this, it'll help us to understand the greatness of our God and his goodness to us. God's will for you was formed in his heart before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. That's not a catchy preacher saying, that's, that's the word of God. Look at Psalm 139, verse 16. The psalmist says to God, you saw me before I was born. <clears throat> Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment, was laid out before a single day had passed. But maybe you're thinking, well, now wait a minute. What about those times that I did exactly what James 4 says I shouldn't do? What about those times like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way? When I mess up, when I ignore God, when I make my own decisions apart from him, when I sin by not seeking his will and obeying him, doesn't that kind of throw God's plan off track? Doesn't it kind of mess with God's will for our lives? Can I just remind you that every time you or I have ever failed or sinned by disobeying or ignoring God, he knew it was going to happen before we were ever born. He knew the times that we would sin. He knew the times that that we would fail. He knew the times we would ignore his will, and he formed his redemptive plan with all of that in his mind. And so, no, your past failures, your past sins, the times that you've not sought the will of God has not caused his plan to be canceled for you. And if you have been living that way, if you've not considered uh, God's will in a significant decision, then I am here to urge you today to ask for his forgiveness for those times. He will freely give it and make a new beginning starting today. That every significant decision that I need to make as a Christ follower, I will seek the will of God. I won't try to be my own God and figure things out on my own and do things my way. I will seek his way. And if we'll do that, God will teach us how to know and do his will in our lives. We'll learn how to discern his will. Look at Psalm 143, verse 10. The psalmist says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. And then I like Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Can I just tell you that those times that you failed, and we all have them, those times when you did your way instead of God's way, some of those times and the pain that were, was the result of that are the best teachers for us to know how to do it right next time. Amen. Sometimes we look back on our mistakes and we all have them. Sometimes when we look back on those times when we didn't even think about seeking God's will and we got our life in the ditch, sometimes those are the best teachers of the wisdom of seeking the will of the one who knows all things. When we are uncertain what God's will is, he will give us wisdom when we ask for it, if we are willing to obey him. If we're willing to obey him. Do you remember what he said back in James 1? Let's do a little review together. Go back with me to James 1, begin with with verse 5. James said there, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Make sure your answer is yes before you even hear him speak. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown or tossed by the wind. Do not waver. Don't go back and forth between am I going to do it my way or God's way. Do not waver. Don't have divided loyalty. Because if you do, verse 7, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. But, for those with undivided loyalty, for those who have already said yes to God before they even understood the question, for those who have committed to love him, to follow him, and to do his will, we will reap rewards both here in this life and in eternity. I I love Psalm 16, verse 11. The psalmist says, You will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So how do we know what God's will is? How do we hear him speak? How do we know what his plan is? I want to give you four or five things that I think are essential to that. Here's the first one. God speaks to us through Scripture. He speaks to us through Scripture. God's word, the Bible, is his perfect divine revelation. God will never speak in contradiction to Scripture. He will never tell you to do something that Scripture says not to do. He'll never tell you something not to do that Scripture says to do. They'll always match up. Our ever-dependable, never-mistaken source of God's truth is the Scripture. And we learn, first of all, what his will is through the Word of God. That's why I constantly encourage you to have a daily time in the Word of God. Set aside, prioritize, make it a a high priority in your life to spend time every day in God's Word. Here's another. God speaks to us in times of prayer. He speaks to us in times of prayer. Though his voice is rarely audible, maybe some of you have heard an audible voice. He does that on occasion. I've never experienced that. But what he does do often is speak to our hearts. And he can speak to our hearts when we shut out all the distractions. There are a lot of distractions in our lives, aren't there? I mean, technology has just ramped that up. We've got noise going on all around us, but when we get alone with God and we have a time of prayer and we pour our heart out to him and we listen for that inner voice that he speaks to our hearts, God speaks in times of prayer. And it's okay for us to, to tell him what we're feeling and how we're struggling. Do you remember Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus, who, who understood what was about to happen to him, that the cross was just ahead, he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, let me not have to go through this. The humanity of Jesus poured that out to the Father, but then he ended, but not my will, but your will be done. And that's how we are to pray. Uh, thirdly, God speaks to us through our circumstances. He speaks to us through our circumstances. Sometimes things just happen, and in those moments, somehow, some way, God brings things into focus. We, we just know, we say, that's it. I, God, I, I hear you. I, I understand And because we've already submitted our will to him, we just have that clear direction. We know this is the way to go. Now is the time to move. Here's another, God speaks to us through wise and godly counsel from others. There have been so many times in my life that I have sought the counsel of wise and godly people in my life. And because they have a a different perspective, they've helped me to hear God's voice and know what his will is. There have been times that I've been called upon to seek to be that counsel for others. God uses other people, but be sure you pick the right people. People who walk with God. People who love him above all else. One more. God speaks to us through what I'm calling faith-inspired common sense. By the way, have you ever noticed that common sense is very uncommon these days? Uh, And God does not ask his followers to throw common sense out the window. Uh, I think sometimes we we just need to look at things and and God God just brings an awareness of, of what makes sense. But let me me give you a caveat with that. Sometimes God will lead you in contradiction to common sense. That's why I said faith-inspired common sense. Sometimes he will ask you to get out on a limb and that if he doesn't show up, somebody's going to saw the limb off. Sometimes he will ask you to do things that may be financially or in your career or some other area of your life that just doesn't make sense, like Abraham and Isaac. God led Abraham to take his only son, Isaac, through whom God had promised to bring generations up to the, the mountaintop to sacrifice him on the altar. It made no sense, but God had spoken clearly. Abraham obeyed, and God worked it out in a way that Abraham would have never expected. But Abraham had the faith to follow and obey God. And so all of that leads to the last verse in the passage, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You will be held accountable, I will be held accountable for what James has taught us today. So let me, as I have throughout this series, let me wrap this up with three questions and then we're done. Three questions for your heart and for mine. First question, has your faith journey been filled with seeking the will of God or making your own decisions? How have you operated? What's been your M.O.? In the significant decisions of your life, have you sought God's will? Or have you just said, I'll figure this out? Here's the second question. What decision are you currently facing that you need to ask God to reveal his will to you? I don't know, maybe every person in here doesn't have any issues in your life, everything's perfect, and and you're not making any significant decision. Well, good for you. Most of us are facing something that we need God's wisdom. We need God's direction. So what decision is in front of you that you need to know God's will? And then the last question. Will you say yes to God before you even know what his answer will be? Will you say yes before you even know what God is asking of you? If you don't, you may never know his answer. I open the message with the, the lyrics of Frank Sinatra's song, I Did It My Way. I close with a song that has an entirely different meaning. In fact, it's an old hymn, and it goes, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise Take my will and make it thine It shall be no longer mine Take my heart, it is thine own It shall be thy royal throne It shall be thy royal throne. Would you put him on the throne of your heart today? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to ask you for forgiveness when we have done things our own way instead of seeking you. When we have felt like that we were wiser than you, or assume that we were smart enough to to know the answer to a difficult question, the direction of a difficult decision without consulting you. Forgive us, Lord, of those times. Help us to learn how to daily seek your will, to guide and live our lives according to your plan that you knew before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. Help us to seek and to find your will, which is always best. It's good and pleasing and perfect. Father, we thank you that you hear us when we pray and we close this service with a time of prayer. I pray that those who have needs perhaps to know your will in some decision or direction. will come to the front and pray with one of our prayer partners. I pray, Lord, that those who who are sick and need to be healed would have the, the courage to come and allow us to anoint them, that I might anoint them and Cindy and I might pray for their healing. I pray that if there's anyone here who needs to take a step in their faith journey, whether it's their first step or one that's in the midst of a long journey, Lord, help them to come and say to our prayer partners, I need to take the next step. Father, we give this time to you. We pray that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please, as our prayer partners make their way to the front here on the lower floor and in the balcony. Let's give this time to the Lord. Come and pray.
0: I'll spend forever
1: Have a great week.